What is up? Welcome back to the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, and today I'm joined, as always, by John Kegley and David Drogemeyer, my two co-hosts, to get into this game this weekend. But first, we're three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who started covering the Chargers three years ago when we started our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And this is our first season hooking up with the Locked On Podcast Network, bringing you your team every day. It is Friday, so that means we are going to get into the all-time series notes with John Kegley. He has all the best stuff from this long series between the Steelers and the Chargers. Then we're going to get into the injury report for the week, and then we're going to finish things off with some bold predictions. And I'll have John and David retouch on their game predictions, and then I'll give you guys my final game prediction to end the show. But let's go ahead and get into it. John, you are the man with the notes. Go ahead and give us what we need to know about this Chargers-Steelers all-time series. Well, anyone that's a Charger fan knows a little something about this history, including the Chargers' only Super Bowl appearance went through the road of Pittsburgh when the Chargers beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh 17-13 to with Dennis Gibson knocking the ball down at the goal line to go on in advance to their first and only Super Bowl. And something that most people probably overlook is that same year in, I want to say week 15 or 16, it was the Chargers and Steelers in San Diego. And the Chargers won that game 37-34. So it's like a tale of two different games right there. One's high scoring, one was low scoring with the Chargers winning both, which sounds like, the Chargers would own this all-time series just by that note, but the Steelers uh, basically destroyed the Chargers over history 23-9 to in the all-time series. The stat that worries me for this week out of this series is the Chargers are 1-14 all-time at Pittsburgh during the regular season, but they are 2-1 against them in the playoffs. That one win in the regular season was 2012 with the North Turner era, a 34-24 win in Pittsburgh, and we were up 34-10 at one point in that game. But before that, the only time they had ever won a game against Pittsburgh was in the playoffs, and that happened twice in the wild card round and on the way to the Super Bowl. Other than that, no success in Pittsburgh. In San Diego, in San Diego, it was a different story. They were the Chargers were six and eight against Pittsburgh. I, I mentioned San Diego because the Chargers never played the Steelers when they were in LA. Chargers never played the Steelers until their twelfth year of existence, and the Steelers won the first six matchups. My personal favorite game out of this matchup comes in two thousand and six. Rivers' is first win against the Steelers. It's also his first game against the Steelers when he threw that lob to Malcolm Floyd over William Gay. Corner of the end zone, absolutely beautiful footwork to land in bounds and score. And Antonio Gates also caught a touchdown that game where he bounced off a Steeler and dove across the line, just barely reaching across for a 23-13 to win. Wow, yeah. I mean, my most notable game, I think it's probably just because it's the most recent game, is obviously the game against the Steelers at home with Michael Vick as the starter. And we all know how that one ended up. A walk-off win for the Steelers. A Michael Vick-led Steelers team. 
Uh, and that one was just a really tough pill to swallow, David. That's one of the most heartbreaking losses I can remember. That one was terrible because at the end of the game, you know, they gave it to Le'Veon Bell, and somehow he squeaked into the end zone at the end of the game as time expired to win. It was it was heart wrenching to say the least. I mean, that that one really hurt. Yeah, no, I'll never forget Eric Weddle, you know, kind of standing him up on the goal line, and he just managed to reach it in, John. Oh, and Donald Butler being the post-contract Donald Butler was <laughs> so late getting over to Le'Veon Bell on that last play. And the last show I mentioned how Mike Tomlin is really gutsy and will take a risk. That's a perfect example of it. And I was at that game. Qualcomm Stadium was completely full. And it was 95% Steeler fans. The whole place was terrible towels everywhere. And there's probably like maybe two sections worth of fans in the whole stadium. It was it was so good until the final segment. That place was so quiet until Michael Vick started marching down the field on that last drive. Yeah, and I mean, just talking about gutsy, I mean, they ran a wildcat play on the last play of the game to get that touchdown, but... Uh, it's just a, it's a really tough task for the Chargers this week going to Heinz Field. I mean, you mentioned what their record is away from home, and just Big Ben is just a different quarterback at Heinz Field. So the Chargers, John, I mean, historically and, I mean, even in the most recent past, have had a really hard time with the Steelers team. Oh, just, just to put it mildly, the only real successful era, if you will, is the Dan Fouts era, and I believe Fouts was either four and two or four and three all time against the Steelers. Fouts got their first ever win against the Steelers in San Diego with a thirty-five to seven win, and he followed that up the next year with a twenty-six to seventeen win. It's Fouts actually was able to move the ball against the Steelers. Before that, there was games that were ten to nine loss, twenty-three to zero loss, thirty-seven to zero loss. 24-2, to 21-17. Like the Chargers could not score points against the Steelers, and Fouts comes in, and they're scoring major points. Wow, 24-2. to two. <laughs> What what a game <laughs> score. I mean, the Chargers managed to get a safety and literally did zero on offense. And it sounds like, out of all the things, John, outside of the Dan Fouts era, the Chargers have really struggled to score when they're in Heinz Field. <laughs> yeah, I mean... If just if I look at this real quick right now, if I look at the list of games I have in front of me, the highest score I can see real quick is 34 points, and that was the Chargers' only win at Heinz Field. And before that, the highest I could see right off the bat is 23. It's ridiculous how much they struggle to score, but when they're at home, they score a lot. Like, I believe Fouts' last ever game against the Steelers was a 54-44 to win. Jesus. I mean, I think that goes with that era where uh, nobody was really stopping anyone that let Dan Fouts, you know, kind of really pile up the numbers. But I think, obviously, we all know that in this game, the Chargers are going to need to put up points because with the offense that they're going against, there's just really no other option. They have to be able to put up points in this game, and – as John just laid out for you, it's going to be extremely difficult away from home. But we need to get into this week's injury report. There's some big names on the Chargers side of the ball, but also some big names on the Steelers side of the ball, which Tony Serena didn't seem very worried about. But guys, it's a really long list 
But we will get into that right after this. First, I need to tell you guys about what the Locked On Podcast Network is doing on social media, specifically on Twitter and Instagram. If you follow Locked On NFL Net on Twitter, you can get all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering their NFL teams on one feed. It's amazing during games, breaking news, and to get the local perspective. On Instagram, Locked On NFL Net is giving you the biggest stories in just one minute on your Instagram feed. So go make sure that you follow the Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram so you can keep up to date with what's happening all around the league and not just with your local team. This podcast is also sponsored by MyBookie, which really is, guys, the only place to bet. They give you the best odds on all the games you're thinking about betting on. And remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. When you're putting that kind of money down on any type of sporting event, guys, and you want to bet your money, you need to go with someone that you can trust. And I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. Right now, my bookie will even match your money dollar for dollar. You put in $100, they'll give you an additional $100 when you put in the promo code locked on 25 and if you and if you deposit after 7 p.m eastern time they'll add an additional 25 dollars on top of what they're already matching for you so if you want to throw in 100 bucks you'll get an extra 125 bucks in free play it doesn't get any better than that guys you're literally playing with house money when you visit my bucky online today that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code locked on 25 when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, now it's time to get into the injury report. On the Chargers side of the injury report, there's some expected names on here, and I think some enlightening names on here, specifically Tyrell Williams. We weren't necessarily sure why he didn't play very much last week, and Travis Benjamin got a lot of run. And Tyrell Williams, now we know, has a quad injury. He's been a limited participant in practice this week. I would think he could probably play. Usually the Chargers limited participants on a Wednesday end up playing on the weekend, but obviously time will tell. Austin Eckler shows up on here with a neck injury, but was a full participant. And then Brandon Meebane is kind of an interesting story because he missed last week, but he was not injured. We do not have any facts on what is going on with Brandon Meebane. But we know he's had some family issues, and he has already been ruled out this week, John, with some family issues. Yeah, it's been the case the past two weeks. He has some personal family issues that he has to attend to and has had to miss the past two games. And from what I'm hearing, he's asked to keep it private and personal. Yeah, and we obviously respect that. And we hope Brandon Meebane the best and his family the best. Obviously, if he's missing two weeks for something, I mean, you don't like to speculate, but you can only imagine with that guy what kind of a, a, just a gamer that he is, that it must be something serious to keep him away from the field for two weeks. So our hearts were with Brandon Meebane and his family, and we hope that we can get him back anytime soon. But we also understand that football is not the biggest thing in his life he has to take care of his family first but David one interesting thing Antonio Gates gets rest on Wednesday which is not the interesting thing that's pretty much expected but Melvin Gordon has not officially been ruled out of this game yet and I know they actually even saw a little bit of him at practice 
Yeah, pretty crazy. He was actually seen on the bike at practice right next to Antonio Gates. And, uh, you know, with someone with a, a knee injury, that's uh, pretty insane. I mean, Coach Lynn did say that he was traditionally a fast healer, uh, but I don't know if he's going to heal that quickly. But, hey, it's definitely something to monitor going into Sunday because, you know, obviously we know how, how big of a player Melvin is. But let's be real, he's probably not going to play this week. But still, being on, being on the bike, uh, still pretty pretty crazy sight. Yeah, and obviously as, as important as Melvin Gordon would be in the game plan this week if he was activated, you can't risk his long-term season health on this, John. I mean, it's just it's not worth it if he has a decent chance of re-aggravating one of his, you know, few injuries. He was already dealing with some injuries before that opposite side knee injury. So I, it's probably best not to risk it. Well, yeah, but with it being a sprain, the only worry you have is to make sure that the swelling's down if there's still swelling that's the real worry whether you could play on it or not i've personally had both of my ankles sprained and i still ran on them everywhere and i had pain in them when they were done being sprained i had pain in them for five years after the fact because i didn't let them heal correctly and the same thing can happen with the knee because it's the ligaments that are rubbing up against the swelling and if those were to snap there goes your career so if the swelling is going down and all he has to do is deal with pain, then maybe he can have a limited participation in the game. But with having two knees that are messed up, you you got to really, really be sure, absolutely sure that there's no risk in him playing in the game. Yeah, and we've already seen them hold him out. Obviously, that was for a hamstring injury. But still, I mean, it's, it's definitely super up in there. But I would put his status at doubtful if I was the one making the designation. But let's move on to the Steelers injury report. They have a ton of guys who did not practice this week. Three of them were not injury-related. Guard center B.J. Finney, Ben Roethlisberger, and center Marquise Pouncey all did not practice, but were all non-health-related. But there are a couple of names I want to get into it here with, guys. And I think the biggest one on here right now that's not practicing, which I think could be the biggest factor in this game, is starting offensive tackle Marcus Gilbert, who's played very well this year when he's in. He has not participated this week in practice. And the backup, Okorafor, right tackle, has been not great so far this year. But the other guys who, who didn't practice were Morgan Burnett, linebacker Bud Dupree, Mar- uh, Marcus Gilbert, like we already said, and then Stefan Tuitt was a limited participant, and Tony had said that when Steelers guys are limited participants in practice, they're about a 50-50 shot to play this week. But, David, any of those names stick out to you as far as this Andrew report goes? I mean, it's got to be the right tackle. I mean, that's the guy Joey Bosa is going to be going up against more mm. than likely on Sunday. Mm. So, I mean, that's going to be the name that you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to focus on if he can't play, as you already mentioned, he's been played pretty well this year and the backup has struggled. I mean, if he can't go, then Joey Bosa has got to be licking his chops a little bit. That's definitely a huge advantage for the chargers. If he's not going to be able to go, especially with the chargers reeling a little bit on the injury front. But I think John Bud Dupree and Stefan Tua will be almost, I mean, the two of them equal to what it would cost them to have Marcus Gilbert out because both those guys play a huge role in that front seven. 
Yeah, that Stefan Tuitt was my guy to pick in this whole thing because with not having Melvin Gordon in this game, if, if he ends up not playing, and even if he does play, he's going to be limited. The front seven of the Steelers is going to be your worry. If they're missing one guy, you'll have a weak point, and that weak point is literally all you need to find ways to win this game. And with a team that has Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt, you need all the help you can get. And to have Bud Dupree and Stephon Tuitt out would be huge for us in moving the ball. Yeah, exactly. If both those guys, if either of those guys can't play or even banged up, I think that has is a significant positive factor for the Chargers because that front seven is nasty when all those guys are healthy. And for a Chargers team that's already, we predict, going to struggle to run the ball in this game, I think both those guys playing would have an even more adverse effect for the Chargers being able to get some rhythm and be able to run the ball effectively without Melvin Gordon. But let's go ahead and get into the last segment of the day, guys, and that's going to be the bold predictions and our game predictions coming up next. But first, this episode is sponsored by MyBookie, like I told you before. But the next episode could be sponsored by your company if you're looking for a way to reach new customers. Your company could be mentioned right now, and our podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with the sponsors they hear on their podcasts. Our demographic is 98% males with more education and earning more than the traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Like I just told you, our listeners are rich, and all you have to do is email me at dwade4256 at gmail.com to get hooked up with some mid-season specials we have going on right now. You're not going to find a better bang for your buck to get your company out to thousands and thousands of listeners. All right, guys, now it's time to get into the final segment of the week, and that is the bold predictions and game predictions for this Steelers game this weekend. So let's go ahead and do the bold predictions first. We will start on the defensive side of the ball. John, I will start with you this week. Who do you have or what do you have as a defensive bold prediction for the Chargers this weekend? Ooh, uh, I'll go really bold here. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to say we hold Antonio Brown and Juju both under 100 yards receiving. Wow, that, that's pretty crazy. I mean, especially I just saw a stat uh, yesterday that Juju Smith-Schuster has the most yards in his first 25 games or the fourth most yards of anyone I'm more than Calvin Johnson, more than most of the great receivers you've heard of. He has more yards in his first 25 games. So to keep both those guys under 100 yards, I mean, that's not putting Big Ben with a very big game, I would say. David, what's your defensive bowl prediction this week? My defensive bowl prediction is going to be that Joey Bosa continues to break out. He had a couple sacks against the Cardinals last Sunday. I think he's going to come back with Two more sacks against Big Ben on this Sunday. And if he does that, uh, it's going to definitely help the Chargers' chances of taking down a big AFC opponent. We should call him David Bosa because David loves to pick him for bold predictions these past few weeks. (laughs) Hey, well, when you're throwing Joey Bosa in there, you're always going to have a good shot at it. And David was pretty close last week. He guessed three sacks. Joey Bosa ended up with two But, I mean, hey, at this pace, he had zero in the first game, two in the second game. So that means he has to go for four this game, right? I think that's how math works right there. 
My defensive bowl prediction is going to be a team bowl prediction. I'm going to say the Chargers get three sacks and two interceptions in this game. I think they get back to what their defense does well. And I think if they're able to do it, John, they'll have a great chance in this game because they're going to need to get Big Ben on the ground and to force a couple turnovers to really have a good shot in this one. Well, with the sacks, you're going to really need to put the Steelers in a long situation, whether it's second and long, third and long, whatever the case may be, because we it becomes really easily what they're going to do. And you've got to do that blanket coverage at the line. And if anybody goes deep, you follow them. Because then you know for sure they're not going to run the ball. It makes the one dimension. And forcing a turnover means that's less time that Roethlisberger has the ball to throw to Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster or give it to James Conner. Whatever the case may be, it's less time for him to give it to his weapons if you are intercepting the ball and giving your offense more time to run down the clock. Yeah, and it really helps out your offense if you're able to put them in good field position, let alone you know maybe taking one back to the house and really helping your offensive out. But I think you're right as far as you need to make this team uncomfortable, put them behind the sticks, make them do things they don't want to do. But it's time to get into the offensive bowl predictions for today. I will go first because I have the boldest prediction of them all offensively. I think that Travis Benjamin is going to have a 50-plus yard touchdown in this game. I think he probably only has like five catches so far this season or something around there. So, I mean, just betting anything on Travis Benjamin is kind of a bold prediction, David. It certainly is a bold prediction, but I like what I saw out of Travis Benjamin against the Cardinals last week. He seemed like he had a little more fight, a little more feistiness in him. He's making a little bit more plays, so maybe he can take that momentum into into Sunday, which, hey, I mean, I wouldn't mind to see it. I mean, another contribution from a a speedy guy. For me, my offensive bull prediction is centered around Austin Eckler. Uh, This is Daniel Wade's boy, but I'm I'm stealing him for my bold prediction this week. I think Austin Eckler is going to have three total touchdowns, two receiving, one rushing. Wow, yeah, I'm staying away from Austin Eckler bold predictions because when I do it, he doesn't do anything, so I don't want to jinx him. But yeah, that would be huge. I think Austin Eckler, after his 10 catches last week, needs to be a huge part of this offense this week. And I mean, if he gets in the end zone three times, I think you're going to have a great shot to win. John, what are you thinking offensively for the bold prediction? I'm going to try and one-up Daniel Wade here. I'm going to go with we have three running backs go for 100 rushing yards in this game. Detrez Newsome, Justin Jackson, and Austin Eckler. Wow. Wait, 300 yards rushing. Yep. You heard it here. Full prediction. Lock it up. <clears throat> and I'm going to go ahead and say I will cut off my pinky finger if that happens. You heard it here first. There's just absolutely no way that happens. <laughs> yeah, I should have I done my Skype recorder so I can have that evidence because I, I want that pinky finger and I want to take it to the taxidermist. Hey, honestly, if they do that, <laughs> I mean, they've never had that before in Chargers history. I feel pretty confident in saying so. I mean, that would be crazy. I still don't know if it's as bold as Travis Benjamin catching a touchdown pass with how limited he's been this season. <laughs> <laughs> but either way. I know you guys did a prediction on the crossover episode with the Steelers, but David, just touch on what your thoughts were on this game and how you think it's going to play out. So, yeah, my thoughts on this game is I think it's going to be pretty low scoring, uh, you know, which was uh, kind of surprising to the locked on Steelers host. But, uh, you know, just looking at these defenses, 
The Chargers only given 19.9 points per game. The Steelers 22.9 points per game or something like that. Either way, they're not giving up a lot of points. Uh, he thought this was going to be high scoring. I disagreed. I think the Chargers are going to do everything they can to take away Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster and make James Conner do all of the work or you know get it to someone else. I think they're going to try to lock those two guys down as much as possible, and I think that's going to you know lead to a low-scoring game. So for me, uh, I you know I thought this was a statement type of game. I mean, if the Chargers win, I think the questions about, you know, quality wins or their schedule. I think that kind of goes out the window if they pick up a big win on Sunday night. And I see them doing that 24-21. Wow. I really hope that's the case. And I think you're right. If they are able to win this game, I think they do get some separation from the rest of the teams in the AFC, not named the Patriots or the Chiefs. And I think it gives you supreme confidence Heading into, I mean, more than likely a road playoff game coming up in January. John, what were your thoughts about this game? Uh, With the struggles that we have in Pittsburgh and Melvin Gordon more than likely not going to be playing in this game. And then the injuries we have to Meebane and Legit, Perryman. Well, Meebane's not injured. He's not playing, I should say. But the guys that aren't playing in Meebane, Legit, and Perryman. I'm not really confident in this game at all. I think we're going to lose this game 34-17, and we're going to really struggle to move the ball. Yeah, I mean, I don't like to hear that, but unfortunately I think I'm I'm siding with you, John. It's one of those things, and I've kind of done my predictions based on this all season, is I need to see it done first before I can confidently pick the Chargers to beat a team that's either as good as them a little better than them or just around the same talent level. And they did it once this year with the Seahawks who have looked really good since losing that game against the Chargers. But the Seahawks are the most impressive win that the Chargers have this season. And I think that the Steelers, especially at Heinz Field, even though I know that was in Century Century Link, pose a bigger threat just because of their receivers outside and what they've been able to do so far this season. So I'm thinking around the same as you, John. I think the Chargers do keep it close in this game, and I think they just, you know, have a heartbreaking play or two that keep them away from the victory. I'm going to go ahead and say this game ends 34 Steelers, 28 Chargers, unfortunately. So I guess we will have a new leader in the prediction clubhouse after this week since David is picking the Chargers to win, and I really hope that he is correct because it would be a huge win for the Chargers, and I think would give them the confidence that they can really hang with anybody if they're able to slow down this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Anyone that is willing to drive to San Diego from L.A. or if you live in San Diego, there will be a watch party for the Chargers-Steelers game at Cali Comfort in Spring Valley. Cali Comfort Barbecue. The owner, Sean, is a huge Charger fan. He's going to be holding a viewing party there. I will be there. I'm hoping Daniel Wade might want to join me. I don't know. But... If you all want to come watch football with a bunch of Charger fans and enjoy some really great food, come down to Cali Comfort on Sunday. Yes, and I can attest to the great food. We've done a live show from Cali Comfort. They are a supporter of this show, so make sure you go support them because they're one of the few pro-Charger bars left in San Diego. So if you can... Go meet up with a bunch of pro-Charger people. You're not going to get yelled at for being a Charger fan in Cali Comfort, so don't be afraid to come out and have some good barbecue 
and watch the game with a bunch of people that are as big of fans as you. It should be a lot of fun. That's going to wrap things up for the week, guys. Thanks to everyone who came in to listen, all the new listeners this week. We appreciate you. And make sure to check back in with us after the Steelers game this weekend, which is at 520 Pacific time. Don't think it's a 1 o'clock game this week. And make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like our Facebook page, LockedOnChargers. And also make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it, and we always like what, always like to hear what you guys have to say. So until next week, guys, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Bulls!